This is our first podcast together, so it's kind of exciting. Uh, I get to virtually sit down with you and we can chat a little bit. And I think the format being kind of informal, but um, just kind of speaking what's on our mind on whatever the topic is at hand, it's uh, it'll uh, you know it'll make for good conversation. Yeah. And for context for the um, people uh, watching this podcast for the first time, okay, uh, I'm a real estate lawyer in Ontario and Dan's a mortgage broker. So we're very kind of involved in the day to day, uh, of real estate. Um, in, in, I would say Ontario and in Canada as well, Canada, we always, always have an eye, a, uh, what's, what's happening in the States as well. So I don't think we're kind of local. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't be, uh, considered local. Cause you're right. Like everything we do is, uh, you know, it, it, there's an effect, uh, on a larger scale, and uh, we see it here at home, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited to kind of get talking a little bit about um, uh, about things that have been on my mind and things that we talk about, you know, when, when the cameras aren't rolling. So I mean, we talk about this every day. So we, we kind of have routine calls, like trying to figure out um, what's going on in the market because it's it's difficult for obviously one person to understand everything and. And there's a lot of information being thrown at you. And that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today. Figure out, like, based on what's happened past two years, we've been in lockdown. Um, uh, and as a result, there's been just certain monetary policies, certain financial or fiscal policies by governments, not just in Canada, around the world, that are influencing real estate. I think a lot of people are kind of confused as to whether now's a good time to buy or not. Um, right. especially like in Ontario, I mean, we had like some record increase in prices. It was like, insane oh, dude, it's been crazy. Yeah. It's been pretty ridiculous. And you're right with the lockdown. We saw a little bit of, um, you know, they say a correction, um, when people couldn't even get in to do, uh, home inspections, they couldn't get in to do open houses and people were starting to panic. So there was a little bit of a sell-off, um, but it's come back in full force. Uh, you know, and this is a great format for us to kind of talk about what's happening, uh, what's mm -hmm. caused it maybe, and where things might be headed. I mean, what's, uh, when you say sell off, uh, was there a dip in prices? Yeah. Yeah. So there was a point, I think it was early 2020. So probably we we're talking like late Q1, early Q2, mm -hmm. where there was a point where a lot of people were just kind of doing the wait and see approach. They weren't sure, you know, they weren't giving up their houses. Maybe they had plans that they were going to upsize, but that involved them selling. So they were just kind of staying put. Um, so it started to put a little bit of a choke on the, uh, the supply, but then the stuff that was on the market and especially condos, like we saw there was a drop in um, uh, rents. So, uh, you know, people were kind of leaving and uh, condominiums weren't getting what they were uh, getting before and the, the, the you know, the, um, the demand just wasn't there, but I mean, that was short lived. And now that you look at it, it's, I think it was kind of a delayed winter market to be honest, cause mm. uh, now it's come back in full swing and, uh, yeah, we're dealing with a whole bunch of things, including this, uh, pandemic that just will not go away. So, um, that's definitely been an, a factor and influence on the markets. I mean, I think that they, for the most part, everybody's fed up with the, the pandemic. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's you know, like everybody's actually, done with it. 
hundred percent. I had a, a call with a client today and she's like, I don't know what I did wrong. Like she was internalizing it yeah. because she, you know, double vaxxed um, and uh, had her booster. And, you know, it's still like, when are we going to get back to normal? Um, and, and that's a whole, I mean, we could talk for hours on that, yeah. uh, that subject alone, but um, it's definitely um, having an effect on one interest rates. So I'm seeing that uh, across the board and then to just uh, um, in the housing market in general. But interest rates, like interest rates going up, interest rates going down, like in what sense? Uh... Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you've, you've probably seen this too, because, you know, with the amount of um, uh, purchases and refis that come across your desk, um, you know, you probably noticed too that the interest rates that are showing up on these commitments a little bit higher than they were before, right? So we're seeing a few things going on bond market. Um, so at the beginning of the year, it actually dipped and we were sitting at, and I don't memorize these hairs, so I had yeah. it up in front of me, but um, the Bank of Canada, uh, the five-year benchmark yield. So in the beginning of this year, like just January, we had about 1.25 and the bond yield the five years, what um, sort of dictates the fixed rate market. So we saw people were saying, hey, you know, interest rates are going to increase. And they did. And the last quarter of uh, last year, uh, the rates were starting to go up and then they kind of petered off and, and stayed put. But from January, it was at 1.25. And just a couple of days ago, it closed at like 1.6. So we had a pretty good run up the entire month of January, um, which means you know, interest rates because of that spread, uh, fixed rate mortgages are going up and across the board, they're like 3% now, which is crazy because you think about it, 3% for the cost of borrowing, yeah. still not too bad. Um, but then we've got the variable rate mortgages that that's making the headlines and variable rates are, you know, um, it's a different mechanism that controls the variable rate mortgages. Uh, and you're, you're pretty knowledgeable on this, but the Canadian uh, dollar overnight rate is one of those mechanisms mm -hmm. and we're at the lower boundary of 25 basis points right so everyone's like oh what's going to happen is the bank of canada going to make a rate announcement in fact this afternoon i was on a call with uh td and uh, they came up with their economic report and they're predicting about three interest rate hikes this year um so that would work out to 75 basis points but even if we take that into consideration and we say okay Variable rate mortgages are going to go up 0.75%. It's still a heck of a lot lower than your, your fixed rate counterpart, right? So right now it's like 1.5. Maybe mm. you can get lower, like 1.25. It's pretty insane, man. So, do you yeah, that's kind of Do you feel that we're going to um, increase three times? I feel like it's more posturing than anything else. Because uh, we were supposed to increase like a week or two ago, whenever, last week, when... Um, both the, the Bank of Canada and the Federal Reserve for states kind of met. Everybody's like, oh, my God, they're going to increase it at least yeah, yeah, 25, yeah. probably 50 basis points because we're having runaway inflation. So, yeah. like, but they didn't. Yeah, yeah. I feel like so, somebody's yeah. posturing. It kind of, yeah, it could be. It could be a bit of that. And definitely that was, uh, you know, that was the talk of the town. I think it was last week where the Bank of Canada made that announcement. They're just going to kind of keep things as is for now and again you know revisit it on the next announcement and i heard you know some of the major banks economists were saying like six increases in 2022 but 
you know, now we're going to see them at the second or, or end of the quarter. And it's like, okay, well, it may happen. It may not. What we know today is that the variable rate mortgages are a heck of a lot more um, uh, appealing mm. than fixed rates right now. Um, are we going to see those increases? I don't know. I think it's probably possible. We might see a few of them increase, but really, I don't even think that should be the determining factor on whether or not someone decides to go fixed or variable right now. Mm. Um, yeah. What so. would you recommend, fixed or variable? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like that. Well, I mean, from just a purely sort of like, um, I guess, numbers perspective, right? You're looking at, let's say, 1.5% versus a 3%, much lower, 1.5. Now, there's inherent risk with the variable rate because as the Bank of Canada makes those rate announcements and they start moving it up, your interest rate's going to go up. But if you kind of think about it too, um, you've got a 1.5% jump on a fixed rate as of today. That's six mm -hmm. interest rate hikes um, before you even get to today's fixed rate. So one of the recommendations here that uh, I've uh, I've seen some of my clients put into place is just like simply set your payments as if they were a fixed rate mortgage, right? If you're considering a fixed rate, you know what those fixed rates are going to be. You know what your monthly payments are going to be. Just yeah. set it like that because then you're just kind of self-insuring. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, I, for me, having a dog and having a cat and uh, animals, you can either self-insure that animal or you can pay that insane amount of, uh, insurance premium, um, and then maybe use it down the road. So that's, you know, that's sort of where I see things going. And then the other conversation to have is like penalties, right? Cause you probably know fixed rate penalties are more expensive than your variable rate penalties. And it's just giving you a little bit more flexibility in that. But again, it, it, it depends on sort of the situation too. So clients that are like doing alternative, um, mortgages and for anyone out there that's listening to this alternative mortgages are mortgages that are done by alternative lenders so you've got this whole group of lenders that kind of cater to people that either have poor credit maybe don't have credit don't have reestablished credit maybe the income's non-conventional right so self-employed maybe newly employed employed new to canada or maybe there's some issues with the house too so alternative lenders step in and uh most of the time they don't offer variable rates. So it's simply a fixed rate you have to choose. And it's just a term you got to choose. Mm. So in that case, like I can't go and say, oh yeah, I get a variable rate because a variable rate's not available to that client. Yeah, fair enough. But I feel like yeah. my kind of um, prediction here is that uh, I feel like the economy is not doing too well, right? But central banks have to kind of lead on to the fact that like, hey, the economy is doing perfectly fine. They, it's not right. that it's not doing too well. It's that you don't know. We're like, I mean, we're in COVID. There's economy shuts down and comes back on, on, off, on, off. They're like, what the heck's going on? But they also want consumer confidence. So they're going to say that, hey, it's strong enough for us to hike it three, four times, but it may not be. They don't know. In reality, I, and, but then they're also balancing their own credibility. So I'd say that it would go up maybe once, right? 25, maybe 50 basis points, but it's not going to hit like, uh, 1%, man. So I don't, I don't, I don't feel like, um, we're at that position where, uh, Canadians or anybody in the world right now can handle that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, it would be too much of a shock and, uh, you know, um, 
yeah, I don't think we're we're at that point. I mean, when Omicron started to hit the scene as the new and improved, uh, you know, mm -hmm. variant that was coming out, people were like, "Well, how's are things gonna? How's this gonna shake down in the economy?" And you know, I was saying for a lot of people that were like, "Oh, we should just do fixed." Well, you know, let's let's wait and see here because uh, chances are it's gonna have an overall effect to the the economy. And then you see things like. You know, I don't know if, did you, uh, I couldn't get a hold of you on the weekend. Were you over at the Freedom Convoy or what were you doing? <laughs> no, no, it was just yeah. at home. <laughs> yeah, so you got like a whole bunch of, you know, ticked off truckers that uh, that are clogging the arteries mm. um, and, and heading across Canada here. That's going to obviously put some pressure on um, uh, on our supply chain too. Yeah. And that's got to factor into things. I mean, there's a lot going on now that uh, we weren't dealing with. Bring me back to 2019. That was a nice year. <laughs> it was. I want to see that one again. It was. Yeah. It was... Uh, you know what? It's like, uh, I, I just remember Kobe Bryant dying and everybody's like, oh my God, oh, this and that. And then all of a sudden COVID hits, nobody knows what happened with him anymore. You know, there was like yeah, a significant amount yeah. of time where everybody's kind of like, oh my God, this is an insane loss. And then as soon as COVID hits, it's not in anyone's kind of uh, mind. It's yeah. not even in the news. The news kind of just flipped over to something else. Yeah, but. yeah. Uh, it's kind of crazy. Like I remember uh, back in February. So we moved into our place in February, and February was um, it was just a crazy month. And I think I told you we had gone we had gone to that Grant Cardone conference out in Vegas, oh, yeah. and just going to Vegas and seeing like. You know, on it was everywhere. It was all over the news, and it was one of those things where it just had an eerie feeling to it. Even when you would walk into grocery stores coming back in early March, you're just like, "This doesn't seem like a normal sort of, you know, <laughs> virus that's going around." But I mean, here we are today, and uh, you know, it's um, yeah, it's definitely had its uh, effect on on real estate. That's for sure. Now, <clears throat> um, there's something called um, uh, negative inflation. You want to talk to me about that? Cause you sent me an interesting article. Yeah. Let me just put it on, um, our, uh, little screen one second. But yeah, I mean, I found this to be a, a pretty nice, uh, article. Um, what this kind of tells me is that, um, against all odds, we should be trying to buy a house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of like one of the key takeaways here, right? Because, um, um, you know, getting into this article where they essentially explain that um, when you factor in for the, the, the cost of borrowing, the, yeah. that money, and then uh, you net it with inflation, uh, we're actually in negative... Um, interest rate territory. They had done some calculations. I think if you go, yeah, so real five-year fixed mortgages have negative rates. So this was kind of cool. So mm -hmm. both insured and uninsured, 2.23 and 2.36 mortgages in November. Um, yeah, and then they did some calculations to just below that where um, I think you, yeah, here we go. Never been this low. So they calculated when adjusted for inflation, real rates for insured, negative 3.3 yeah. and uninsured. Are absurdly low. I mean, that's kind of crazy. So where does this? Where did it say? Did it say what inflation was? Hold on, let me just see. That's no, not going through inflation, but I know off the top of my head that December came in for us at four point eight percent inflation. There you go. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could, actually, I could, I could probably do the math here. 
and uh, figure it out. But it's like 2.5 plus 2.2 here. Yeah, it's there. they're roughly figuring around 5%. So 5% um, uh, like inflation. And so, I mean, the concept for most people, and I don't know if people are familiar with it. Again, exactly what Dan said. If your inflation is 5%, it means that every year your money loses 5% in value. And in order for you to make any kind of money on any kind of loan, you need to make sure you make inflation and then a little bit, right? So typically, right, like in a normal market, it may be 5% plus whatever risk people feel there is in order for them to give you a mortgage. So it could be 3%. So it should be 5 plus 3, 8%. Right. Mm -hmm. So that yeah. that's where may, normal interest rates may be. But right now it's like um, money is losing more value um, or losing value faster than the interest rate. So it's basically if you can get your hands on money, you, you should be getting your hands on money to buy a real estate. Right. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, and, and I think part of that is what's driving the market, too, whether they know it or not. Um, but there's a huge push to get into hard assets. Yeah. Um, I think you mentioned about precious metals too. I mean, I don't really keep up on the precious metal game, but uh, I know for a while everyone was talking about buying, you know, uh, silver and gold and other metals. Um, I mean, yeah. So it's like the way I feel like the finance world works is for average, I would say for everybody, they kind of instinctively price everything out. Uh, in the currency that they're kind of buying stuff, right? So for Canadians, that's the Canadian dollar, right? So you go out, right. you know, a bag of milk is going to cost you four bucks, five bucks, whatever it is. So, and then at home, the average home is going to cost you half a million, a million, whatever it is, right? So when that price goes up, people are like, oh my God, um, the value of this house is going up. In reality, how they should be looking at it is the value of the cash I'm holding is going down because you right. have prices going up across the board it's not just the houses man it's like uh, food everything's going up energy prices everything man is have you tried to get an automobile lately yeah. you go to a dealership and they're just throwing on these insane uh price increases so yeah across the board everything you buy is more expensive now and i think people need to kind of take that into consideration uh for sure like you know um if you're if you're at a job and you're not getting uh, a raise. raise that is outpacing inflation, then yep. you're in trouble because you're making less. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's definitely a tricky market. And, um, but if you can get in however, and that's why like one of the conversations here, you know, we talked variable and fixed. Well, if you're doing like an alternative mortgage and uh, I shot a video, hopefully it comes out next week. Uh, shameless plug. I do have a YouTube channel, so <laughs> you can go follow me on Pico Mortgages. But um, so today's video, I was talking, trying to come up with some strategies for first time home buyers, right? And how they can kind of position themselves mm. to get into the market because it's really uh, a seller's market and it's a psychological game and it's psychological warfare. Uh, and if you can, you know, kind of get some tools to, to help you out here. And one of those tools could possibly be uh, being able to get gifted funds or getting to a point where you can at least get 20% down, because if you can get a 20% down payment, hmm. um, then you've got all these different tools in your tool belt that you can close. And yeah, you know what? The cost of borrowing might be a little bit more expensive, but we look at it and everything else is expensive. And if you can just get into the real estate market, um, we know that's, you know, it's, 
I mean, not predicted to go down anytime soon. The people who, again, like going back to, uh, to like just the, the value of money going down, I think the perspective is a little bit wrong. Like, let's say, let's turn this around. If I were to tell you your house is going to lose value, right? 5%, 10%, pick a number um, right. every six months. What are you going to do? You're going to try to sell it. Yeah, yeah. Are you going to be yeah. waiting for anything? Are you going to be like, okay, maybe I'm going to get a better price? Or, or are you going to be like, I need this out of my hands? Let's stop the bleeding. Yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah. let's liquidate so it. It's, yeah. like, it's like either I lose or I lose more. So the same thing is when you're in cash, you're losing. It's not that the, the real estate price is going up. It's that your cash is losing value. So either you want to lose or you want to lose more. So right. it pushes you to go into a hard assets like real estate where yeah. you're not you're stopping the bleeding you're not really the value of the house is not going up the value of your cash is going down right yeah that's a yeah and that's that's definitely a, a different perspective that uh, you know you, and a good way to kind of look at it that i think some people um need yeah, to kind of get their head around yeah because a lot of people i feel like are like okay um you know, I'm going to wait for the market to go down. The bubble's going to burst and stuff like that. I don't, I don't think it's going to burst. We're kind of past that point. Usually markets yeah. burst because um, the concept of quantitative easing wasn't something that was used. You had a, um, not to get too kind of technical, but you had somewhat of a like controlled money supply where you're not expanding it like this much, right? If you look at the states, in the states, the U.S. dollar is a reserve currency, more than half of it was printed out in the last 12 months. Everything should be doubled, right? And that inflation doesn't just stay in the States because it's a reserve currency is pushed out. It could be coming to Canada. It could go anywhere else right. because that yeah. currency, that currency is like something that like you can go and buy anything else with. And then world, especially the G8 countries, central banks, right? Um, they will print together so that the parity is somewhat similar and it doesn't look too crazy for investors. So Canada has been going on a, a, a bond, like quantitative easing bond buying spree as well. That like is not maybe as um, uh, pronounced as the U.S. is because it's not even that much, but it's still a lot compared to um, the size of the country, size of the economy. Yeah, yeah. Then they just I think they announced back in December that the quantitative easing they've uh, they seized it or they stopped it um, as part of their their monetary policy there. I think they stopped it for good, I think. But then the thing is, is, uh, they uh, might bring that back. They might bring it back. I, it doesn't I, like that's, I mean, in the States, here, here's the ironic part. The federal reserve says that they're going to start contracting. Right. But mm. like when they're saying they're contracting, they're going to be buying less bonds on the market, which means technically you're just less loose. It's still right, a loose right. mon monetary policy. Yeah. It's just you're less loose, all right? Yeah. So you're not really con contracting. You're still injecting. They're still injecting money into the economy that they're creating, but it's not at the same level as it was before. It's not like you're tightening up the monetary base. So, right, right. like, it's it's something that people, I, can, I don't, like, I don't think we're going to get to a point. Here's the issue with the Federal Reserve, too. It's like, if you bump it up 25 basis points, 50 basis points, I mean, the, 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 the treasury is going to go bankrupt. There's no money there. You're not going to be able to make your interest payments on your bonds. Right. So you have to right. make an interest rate can't go below 0%. I mean, we're technically below zero because it's monetized debt buying. But at the same time, like you can't go lower than this. 
So I feel like all you can either print or print more. So I feel like inflation is here to stay. It's, there is no transitory stuff. Yeah. It's just that you have to get into like hard assets, like whether it's a house. And if you don't have that, like, again, like going to gold, it's like gold is not going up in value. The price of your cash is going down in value. It's gold. Right, they're right. saying with the amount that's been printed out, it should be around like ten, twenty thousand dollars an ounce U.S. That's what the price should be based on what's been printed out, right? But right, it's not. Right. So it's just a matter of time before it starts going up. And yeah. and there's a lot of people who kind of there's Bitcoin and all this other stuff. Bitcoin is not going to replace gold. Bitcoin is a highly speculative asset. Right. And it's uh, uh, like for those who say it's not, I just it's crazy that you'd say it's not because Bitcoin, the amount of just volatility it has in price, like gold doesn't have price. It doesn't like drop 20 percent in like a week and then try to go back up 100 percent. Like that's that volatility is not um, a, a like because you get into gold to preserve your value. So right, it's not gonna, right. you can't preserve value in Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. It's it's been pretty wild, uh, wildly swinging the last few weeks, man. I don't know if you've you've been keeping an eye on uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, but yeah, there's uh, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a whole different game if you want to get into that and speculative and there isn't that intrinsic value there. I was just kind of reading an article here, and um, uh, you mentioned the inflation rate of four point eight percent. Um, and I'm seeing here Reuters saying that Canadian inflation hits a 30-year high. So I remember last year where there was a lot of talk of it being uh, transient, and it's just, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're going to get over it. And I think you're right. It's it's here for the long haul. So how do we manage it, and how do we make our money um, work for us and not lose its value? And mm -hmm. that's get it out. Get it out the door yeah. and start buying stuff. So Cash is, is trash. Uh, Cash is trash. Yeah, yeah, that's what Ray Dalio is saying, right? And for those of you who don't know, Ray Dalio is uh, the founder of Bridgewater, one of the, the largest um, uh, hedge funds in the world. The guy's worth like billions of dollars self-made, probably in the top 20 or whatever. And he's going around, he's saying cash is trash. And so mm. you have to get out. Because that's like they're forcing you out. That's what the, the Federal Reserve, by printing it off, they want you out. So right. yeah. don't don't yeah. wait for the house price to go down. I would say if you can afford something now, get into it. Yeah, and, and I mean, if I and I would say I would speak to those first time home buyers that think, okay, you know what, I'm not going to find anything in Toronto. Probably not. I mean, there was a report that came out yesterday that said the average condo price, and these are condos. And keep in mind, I lived in condos for a while. You know, mm. they're uh, it, it's kind of fun to be on you know top floor, 46th floor, whatever it is, downtown Toronto. But you're paying for what you get, and what you get is a very small footprint. So over seven hundred thousand dollars now, the average condo price in Toronto. Can you imagine that? But now, for some people that want to get into the real estate market, maybe they don't buy a property that they're living in. Maybe they just, you know, mm. uh, they skip and they pass go. They collect mm. their hundred bucks and then they go directly and uh, buy a rental property in another market that you can pretty much you know, self-manage because there are a lot of places within an hour or two from Toronto that are like way cheaper that you can get in, that the rents are solid and like you said, preserving your wealth. So all of a sudden, you know, you might have enough money to put down on that down payment. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, man, I mean, it's, um, it can be a discouraging market, but this is why it's so important 
to kind of like figure out where you're at today and come up with a game plan. And, you know, not to toot my own horn as a mortgage broker, but I mean, that's part of our job is yeah. to just try and figure out for people what's the game plan and and how do we get you into a house? There's there's enough programs out there and there's enough ways that if you want it to happen, yeah. you make it happen. And I think there's a lot of skeptics out there too. It's like, oh my God, for somebody working in the real estate industry, like you're trying to get people to buy real estate, right? You'd promote mm-hmm. the industry. My thing, like look at the look at the technical do a technical analysis yourself. Look at the quantitative measure like we're not giving qualitative answers. We're giving quantitative answers, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, if you're yeah. saving money and every year five percent is being wiped out, right? You have to work five percent more, right? Meanwhile, prices keep going up, right? Not only so it, it, you think that real estate prices are going up, let's say twenty percent. It's not twenty percent. Your your value of your uh, cash is going down five percent. So now you have to catch up another twenty five, right? Right. So yeah. So you have yeah. to look at both sides. So you have to like move. It's not like you can park your money and then just be like, all right, that's fine. I'll keep saving. And then when I have enough, like no, you have to figure out. Okay, my money. I need to preserve wealth. I need to make sure that I I have a certain value. Like my money that I'm saving up is my wealth, and it doesn't kind of disappear overnight. And if it means that I have to, like you're saying, go somewhere outside to buy a rental property, why the heck not? Right. Yeah, I agree with you. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a challenging market. But um, I mean, what's the alternative? Right. If you're trying to shop, like you said, if you're waiting around, um, man, I've heard this like. For those of you that are tuning in, you can see uh, Harris here's got a lot of um, cars on his desk. <laughs> and Harris and I, back in the day, we actually worked together in uh, the automotive industry. So, um, yeah, it was uh, even back then, some of the people that I worked with. So we were at uh, different companies at one point and <clears throat> people were talking about, you know what, we'll just wait until the market corrects. Yeah. We're talking like. You know, two, this was like 14, 15 years yeah, ago. It's a long they were saying they're just going to wait yep. to get into the market when it corrects because, you know, that uh, single family detached at $425,000 and, you know, downtown Toronto was too expensive. Like, come on. Um, Dude, and since then, since then, I would argue that house prices have probably doubled. Okay. Right. Doubled. Yeah. Yeah. Have their salaries doubled. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's exactly it that's the big question um and not only that but then you have sort of like back in 2017 there was the b20 guidelines that were introduced with the stress yeah. test so now all of a sudden the people that you know uh the middle class the working class that are trying to get into home ownership they got more hurdles they have to jump over we've seen that stress test rate uh so for those of you that don't really know too much about um how you qualify someone for a mortgage, even though we're talking interest rates of like one and a half to 3%, the Bank of Canada, or sorry, the there's federal uh, guidelines that mandate that we have to stress test you. And that means that even though you might get a, an interest rate of one and a half percent, we have to, as of today, the stress test would be 5.25%. So, you know, we run the analysis based on 5.25%. And you have to have debt ratios that fall underneath a certain percentage. And, you know, back then there was no stress test or we could qualify you on the contract rate. We don't have that anymore. So your purchasing power has gone down. 
the cost of real estate's gone up and you've been sitting on money that's depreciating. It's uh, not, a, no, no, no. It's, <laughs> it's just, uh, it's been tough. <laughs> no, no, no. no, 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 no. You gotta, no. I, the thing <laughs> is, I feel like, uh, and this is when you're not kind of uh, educated in the space. Um, you're not only looking at like stress tests, but one of the biggest things I feel like is um, you, you have to qualify a certain way but people always look at rates. They feel like right. rates is the only thing you're supposed to look at. And and what I don't understand, I don't know, maybe there's something I'm missing. But when you're going into a professional, let's say I come to you, I'm going to rely on you and your expertise to understand that, okay, if, if a bank like HSBC is offering a 0.99 fixed rate interest, right, for the next five years or whatever it is, um, one year, whatever the term is, um, that there are, there's going to be a catch. Years. There's going yeah. to be a catch. What's that? hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you got to think about it. A bank, what other business is in it to make money yeah. like a bank, a bank. And, and, you know, you don't get a free lunch and everything comes at a cost. And sure, sometimes you can get some really um, enticing promotions that come out there, but they've done it. They've got more money than we do. And they sit down and they do the analysis and they figure out, OK, you know what, um, how do we make the money back? And nine out of 10 times on a low rate like that, there are very few opportunities for you to make any change to that. That's not going to trigger an insane penalty. Yeah. And that penalty is something that. You know, what do they say? Like 65% of Canadians are dealing with a penalty. If they're in a five-year fixed yeah. or a five-year term in general, you're going to um, break it at some point. And in this market, so many people, like I've had four emails today with people reaching out to me saying, hey, you did our mortgage in the past. Um, we're looking to access equity. Uh, we want to get into the market. And part of that is just watching the news. You know, anywhere you look, anywhere you read, you watch, People are talking about real estate and it's the fear of missing out. So if they want to get in and they have property, they want they probably have a ton of equity that's been built up mm. in the last five years. You want to access it. Guess what? That HSBC or whatever, not picking on HSBC, but, you know, mm. whatever, whatever <laughs> bank it is. Um, yeah, they're a good lender. But uh, <laughs> whatever bank it is, you, you could you could be in for a very big penalty that's yeah. going to wipe out some of that uh uh, the, those earnings. And so, it's, it's, yeah. it's unbelievable how many times I've seen clients pay out 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 uh, in penalties because they're refinancing because they had to, because they're selling their house because they needed a move, they found a better job or whatever it is, right? And a part of it. Divorce. Was, divorce is a big one, especially during special. lockdown. Uh, yeah. People realize they can't stand my spouse. So. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they're out. It's... And then when they're out, they're also not only paying, you know, legal fees and everything, but they're also paying um, these uh, bank fees. And what I've yeah. seen is, is again, you have to be wise about it that like um, this is it's, it's basically a numbers game. They're looking at how many how many people are going to have this life event because that's right. where they're making the money. Point nine nine is what's called a loss leader. They may, may not be making money. May, they may be ma losing money. I don't know. But. Um, 0.99 or any other interest rate, right? But they're looking at like how many life events are going to happen statistically and how are we going to then 
uh, push up our bottom line. I mean, like banks are always reporting profits nonstop, and it's like, where are they getting that money from? It's not from your like nine ninety nine, whatever the heck you're paying per month for your yeah. bank account, right? That's not how they're getting rich, yeah, 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 right? Yeah, it's yeah. it's coming from these fees, and I feel like a lot. The other thing is is when houses are appreciating this quickly, when you're seeing a bump of twenty five percent for whatever reason. People don't feel like, all right, if I have to pay 40000 extra or whatever, I still have um, my original price um, kind of with me, yeah. which is very yeah, yeah, foolish because yeah. it's like now you just gave away your, your appreciation of the home. And again, you're not looking at it from the perspective of your cash is losing value. Like even if you bought a house for half a million and then after the fees or whatever, breaking out early, you get half a million back. The half a million is not worth half a million because to get a house like the house that you bought half, uh, paid half a million for, it's going to be more. Yeah, hundred so percent. And, and that's got to be, I think, more of the conversation. And that's what kind of frustrates me sometimes, to be honest. When you get someone that calls you up, and you know, it's kind of like when someone is trying to self-diagnose and they go on Google, and yeah. then they're like, "I'm a doctor." You're not a doctor. You know, you just googled something, and you don't know. It could be a plethora of anything uh, that that that's ailing you. But same thing, man, people go. And I'm not saying not to do your homework, but when they don't understand, like, for example, you go on a, a website like, and again, not to, to knock some of these websites, but, mm -hmm. you know, these comparison websites, they'll have teaser rates out there, but there isn't a lot of information on what exactly those rates are, who can qualify for those rates, right? So there's there's insured mortgages, there's insurable mortgages, there's uninsured mortgages, there's conventional insurable mortgages. I've just named four. And then, you know, within it, you've got different types of rates. You have different rates for rental properties versus owner occupied. So what do you think they're going to show you on a website? They're going to be like, you know, cream mm. of the crop, the easy ones, the insured mortgages, 5% down purchase. And if you don't qualify for it and, you know, and yeah, people, Typically, if I haven't talked to them before, the conversation always focuses around rate because it's an easy conversation mm. piece. But it's one that you got to take in, and like you said, you know what's what's the what's the worst penalty you've seen come across your desk, dollar wise? Okay, um, I've seen above fifty, but what I did see once, okay, and uh, uh, without revealing, I mean, I'm not going to give specifics about the client, but what I have seen once, as in recently. Um, was somebody bought a house because they wanted to um, get into the real estate market. Fine. And, and we're kind of advocating that. But they got into a five-year fixed, right? Mm. Um, financial, their financial circumstances changed, okay? So whether they lost a job or whatever it is, they couldn't make those payments because that happens, right? Mm. People kind of assume mm. that whatever yeah. they are, they're going to move out to infinity, right? So um, this person, um, this individual tried to take on more debt to try to pay off. So now he's kind of taken on private loans that are leveraging up to like 90% of the property, 95% of the property. At that point, person decides that, hey, I can't afford this house, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell it. They sell it, and then when we go and request a discharge statement – the house could be worth, again, this is a hypothetical number. Uh, the scenario is real, but the hype number is hypothetical. They're selling the house for 700000 
But with the penalty on the discharge and all these other penalties everywhere else, um, they are owing 740000 Okay. So wow. So everything is wow. wiped out. Everything, they, 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 their entire equity, every, their position was wiped out. And they are now panicking because you've sold this property. You're in an agreement, which is firm. So you're obliged to sell. However, uh, legal practices is that the other side's law firm, rightfully so, said, hey, listen, discharge statement here states that you are um, – uh, like this is what your discharge is going to be and this is what all the liens are on the property it's more than how much we're selling you so we need to make sure that you have um the funds the excess funds uh, the client has them deposited into the law firm's trust account before mm -hmm. we give you our money right because yeah. uh, typically like uh, as lawyers don't uh, like when you're selling a home we don't give you your money and say hey go pay the bank off like we have to pay it off ourselves which is just part of the course because the buyer side is going to say you're not going to you're taking undertaking your law firm is going to be responsible to pay this money off which is what we do so they're like no this is we're not giving you this and 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 until we know that you can actually um pay for everything so this person uh, panicked and there was a lot of I mean there's a lot of stress there's family involved there was a lot of other things going on um, and then he finally was able to here's the other thing so he was not able to get the money in time so we had to negotiate an extension in the sale so there was other mm -hmm. fees and penalties that the other side that are thrown on because yeah. you didn't close on time yeah. So. Now that's a runaway snowball yeah. right there. And I mean, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it doesn't happen too often, but it's, um, it's something you, you, you need to be so careful of too, is that you don't over leverage yourself because those fees, those, um, uh, you know, lender fees and other fees that uh, they throw on, on uh, private money can definitely add up. Wow. Okay. Um, and see if a client came to me like that, it would, uh, looking to to purchase i would probably turn them the other way just because it's not uh it's not a position i'd want to put myself in so hmm. it's uh yeah, i mean it's very stressful when they started that's the thing when they started they were in a good position they got right. a very low rate from a reputable bank it was not it was an a lender right so yeah. everything was, it was good. It looked very nice. The, 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 the borrower looked nice, whatever. And I wouldn't necessarily say it was completely the borrower's fault because they tried their best to kind of make it right, all these other things. But sometimes, like, for example, you lose your job, you know, there's right. no, like, I mean, if the government comes tomorrow and says, all right, I want to, like, close down the business, yeah. Um, you're only six months you can prolong your your mortgage but after that it stops like you got to figure out some way to 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 pay everything off and and you could be doing the right thing but life happens and that's what kind of i think a lot of people fail to see that you need to be like kind of aware of like the fact that anything can happen and for example with a mortgage broker you're looking at that and it's kind of your job i would assume that saying like all right um, I kind of know what your position is, what your income is, whatever, right? For you, this may mm. not be the best rate. This may be the best product for you. Um, mm. And kind of yeah. place them in the right place because I know where your income is coming from. If you know, like if I know that, for example, you have so many assets, you're going to pay this no matter what. Yeah, go for the fixed or whatever it is because you'll be able to hold on to it. 
um, no yeah. matter what happens. But if not, which is the case for most of us, man, unfortunately, um, people yeah. need to look a different way. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. It's, um, yeah, you have to take a, a holistic approach to it when you're looking at their finances. Um, I think that was a pretty good, uh, first podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> nice talking to you. Harris. Yeah. Well, it's you know what? Good. Thanks for everybody for tuning in and, uh, yeah, guys, we're hoping to do this, uh, often. So if you want more information on real estate, on, on mortgages, finance, legal, um, join us and yeah, we'll be talking yeah, about everything I, under the sun. Yeah. I'd, uh, and the only thing I would add to this is that, um, if you guys do have any suggestions or anything, any topics you want us to cover, uh, just reach out, um, and we'll do our best to, to answer. Cause I know there's a ton of people out there that have a ton of questions because both you and I, Harris, we feel these questions every single mm-hmm. day. So, uh, just speak up and we'll, we'll, uh, definitely address it. Cool, man. It was good talking to you, Harris. All right. Later, guys. Okay. See you.